Welcome to From Ashes to Beauty with John Ortberg. Each day, Monday through Friday, you'll find 10 minutes of relevant spiritual guidance on the kind of people we are becoming. Follow us on YouTube at becomenew.me or receive daily text alerts when a new episode is published by texting the word BECOME to the number 56525. Invite a friend to listen along by sharing this podcast or sharing the link becomenew.me. We're glad you're here. And now, here's John. I want to say hi to everybody, folks that are joining us whenever uh, by video, but particularly to all of you who, all of you who are joining us live this morning. Mm-hmm. I have a special guest, and I'm so glad to be able to do this together with Nancy. This is from Ashes to Beauty, and it has been such a remarkable journey. And I actually want to start today by saying thank you. It's a strange thing because I find now basically my own kind of sense of calling and ministry is I will just look into this phone for 10 minutes a day and talk about um, God and about life and what I think I'm learning. And so in a sense, that's very isolated, but it's strange. I've been doing pastoral ministry for 40 years, and I'm not sure that I've ever felt more connected to a group. And in some ways, I'll sometimes feel like it's like walking through a cave and saying, here's what I'm learning, here's what I'm seeing. And because there's a group of people, there's a meaning to it. And then I just, I, I feel not alone. I feel like we're in it together. And um, so uh, to get to talk to you live right now and to see all of these names um, coming up on the computer is wonderful. Rick Langlow, oh my gosh. Oh, Give Barb a big hug too. But uh, uh, I'm just so grateful for that sense of community together. And um, Nancy and I are as well. We are. Yeah, I would I would say this last year, and you guys know um, what it's been like, but community has never been more important. Mm-hmm. And so many of you on this right screen are what kept me going mm-hmm. in really profound ways. I've always been a big believer in community. I don't know that I've ever needed it more. And, um, you know, I found myself this last year going from absolutely frozen and forgetting to breathe losing a ton of weight, being so scared, um, to watching John get his shovel out and dig for God and find him, which was hope. Watching all the seeds that Dallas has placed in both of us, but mm-hmm. mostly in John, really uh, be our little tiny uh, pinpoint of light forward to keep going. So I'm so grateful for you guys and your friendship and then mm-hmm. for being part of this community. You're helping us more than you know. You are. And um Part of the journey has been to learn to just live a day at a time and um, uh, be content not to know for sure what's coming next. Um, But this journey, Ashes to Beauty, has been wonderful. And I think that whatever the future holds, uh, it may well involve some kind of a spiritual community that's leveraging technology like this, that's involved with each other on a regular basis. And so as you find things helpful or you have suggestions or you think, why don't you try this and why don't you look at that? Um, you know, there's just been numbers of us who too have talked about, we'd love to build something while we're doing this together that can go into the future. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I'd love any kind of thoughts or contributions that you have to that because so many of you have made so many wonderful thoughts. Um, today, as we go from ashes to beauty, we're, we're actually looking at community and relationships and the particular step that we begin to focus on now is, um, uh, look at people that I have harmed and uh, 
ask, how can I make amends? How can I set things right from that with them? And one of the striking things that Jesus said along these lines in Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, even if you're doing something that seems like the most important thing in the world, like if you're at the temple and you're offering a sacrifice to God on the altar, kind of the most sacred moment in religion, and you realize that you're not reconciled with somebody else, that they've got something against you, just leave your gift at the altar and go to the person and make things right and um, reconcile and then come back. And so that's what we're looking at right now. And it's described sometimes as this step is the beginning of the end of isolation. And I think over this last year and a half, that sense of isolation at times has been one of the hardest things. And so that idea that we're coming out of hiddenness and out of isolation to be together with each other is so important. So um, I would, oh, Steve Clifford, you made your way onto here. Dick Anderson. Oh, Oh, gosh. gosh. Yeah. Dick's an old friend from Chicago yeah. and a my full, old boss and, and, and a full-blooded Swede, my old <laughs> brother. So, so, so good to see. Gosh, so many wonderful names. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I feel like a televangelist. Thank you. I see that name. Thank you. Let's I see not go that there. Name. Let's not go there. Uh, but I would love, we would love to hear from you. How did you get connected with this? It's been kind of surprising because I think you all know it's been very under the radar for lots of reasons. And, um, you know, we haven't done much on, done anything really on social media to promote it, but it's just uh, been such a wonderful thing to connect. Uh, I was talking yesterday to our friend Betty, <laughs> who uh, at our old church back in Chicago, she was an elder and we walked through a lot of stuff, including quite painful things with her. And she was telling me about, uh, she's going to have dinner with Paul and Elizabeth, who I think are joining this also. And Paul's sister is a woman named Mary. And... Mary was just an absolute pillar person, elder at our church in Menlo. And Mary's got another brother, David. David's going through very serious challenges right now in terms of his health. And he was a pastor at First Covenant Church in Rockville, Illinois, where I grew up. And David was the pastor who officiated at my grandfather's funeral. And David has a daughter named Lori, who I went to Wheaton with. And on one of our first dates, we saw Lori downtown Chicago. And Nance thought I dated her and wasn't happy about it. Uh, wasn't true, but uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, however it happened and from a friend, might have been because of a particular need that you have, might be through a family member, but as we think about the the community that we're trying to form and how do we move forward, we would love to hear uh, in a sentence or two, how did you get connected? And, um, and, and I'll say a little bit about uh, kind of our journey with this step. Um, I'm actually sitting, we're sitting right now in front of a wall that, Nancy, you want to explain a little bit about it? It's not a fake backdrop. My team that I work with calls it my kill wall, but we moved up into a friend's ranch cabin back in August, and it's a glorious place and a quirky place. We have to bring in our own drinking water. Um, It's the kind of house that if you clean it or you don't clean it, you can't tell the difference. Mm -hmm. And this is the wall of decor with ancient farm utensils hung on a wooden wall. Yeah, there's like axes and scythes and yes. blades and pitchforks. And so it's it does look so like something scary. on a kill room. Yeah, and it does. Nance is always here leading her team and they pay rapt attention. I forget about it. Yep. People are always asking, well, that's an interesting background. Mm-hmm. And um, this is the table that we sit at every morning. Um, when I get up, Nance gets up and yeah. we talk with each other. So wanted you to see it and to see this wall. <laughs> And to say a little bit about our story and the power of this step um, for the two of us. We've been married now since 1983. 
And um, for uh, the first chunk of our marriage, probably the first 15 years, uh, probably the major way that I did harm to Nancy was um, this kind of emotional pendulum where uh, we would often have lots of joy and fun and deep connections. But then if she did or said something I didn't like, very often I would just kind of freeze inside and I would withdraw and be real distant and um, do that in ways that were real painful with her. And some of you, especially if you're Scandinavian, you may relate to this. I would do it where I was distant from Nancy, avoid eye contact. But if other people were around or the kids were around, I would be real animated with them as a way of showing to Nancy, this is not just general uh, sadness inside of me. It's particularly focused at her. And then after a while, when she would feel badly, I would feel guilty or feel empathy for her and draw back close together. But those periods of withdrawal could go on uh, for hours or even for days. And um, this went on for about 15 years until finally, after it had happened for some time, it was so clear Nancy had been going on a trip and when she in the airport and I was still being cold and distant, literally went like this with her hands to push us close together. Uh, but I wasn't having it. And then eventually when I wanted to reconnect, Nancy uh, wisely said, no, this has just been going on for too long. And I don't think this is really about me. And there's things that you need to look at. And so that was the beginning of really a, a year journey for me that was very difficult and very painful. But this step that we're talking about is really what happened in me. I had only been looking at her and I don't like it when you do this. I don't like it when you talk this way. I don't like it when you act this way. So it felt to me like it was her yard that needed cleaning. And that my response was just the inevitable response of any normal person to what her problems were. And, and what became very clear was, no, she's not my problem. I'm my problem. And my avoidance and my withdrawal and my coldness and my using that to try to be controlling, even though it wasn't deliberate at the conscious level, was very wounding to Nancy and was not the kind of person that I want to be. And uh, so it was a long, long process to, first of all, just learn to kind of flip the switch and to say, uh, no, I don't actually need to be brooding and ruminating over her. I need to see me more clearly, not a way that will beat myself up, just to say, God, help me to see the truth about myself. And then over time, it became possible to say, yep, Nancy might have said something or done something in a way that I didn't like it, but I don't have to withdraw and I don't have to brood and ruminate. And I can seek to stay connected with her. And um, we actually had one of our biggest fights of the last year, last night, as we were getting ready for this. One of our only fights this last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yep, one of the only ones. And uh, I got really mad, which is not necessarily a bad thing, especially if you're Swedish. You have to learn to kind of acknowledge when you're bad and just walk out, some, take a little drive and talk to God. And God said, you're not handling this well. And I'm just so grateful that in those first 15 years, I know that it would have been a long period of just frozenness in me. And that's genuinely changed. And to be able to say, I want to talk about what it is that could be bothersome, but in a way that's connected and not frozen or distant. Um, has just had a profound difference. And um, so. Yeah. No, and when I say it's the only fight we've had this last year, partly it's been um, 
last year has been so hard. We needed each other too much to take the energy out to do those kinds of things. And um, I want to be clear, if we had more time or maybe at another session, we'd be talking about the things I did the first 15 years that were difficult. But since we're not, um, uh, I would would say that... um, I think all of us come to marriage and the picture I get in my head sometimes is we're standing up in front of the pastor who's saying the vows and pronouncing us. And we're both carrying a piece of luggage baggage, but we don't know we're carrying it. We didn't even pack it all. There's a combination on the suit suitcase and we don't have the number yet. And part of marriage, you know, Tim Keller will say marriage is not designed to make you happy. It's designed to make you holy. And I would say it's probably designed to do a little of both, but it's that ongoing unpa- opening our baggage and unpacking mm. it together. Mm. And um, I also want to say, too, for any of you that are single or widowed, this has all kinds of implications. It's not just about in marriage at all. It's about when you've harmed somebody. For me, and maybe it's good when we're thinking about who have we harmed, to take a minute to think about what was that experience like for them. And for me, one of the many things I had in my suitcase that I didn't know were abandonment issues. Mm. I didn't have that name for it. If you had said it, I would say, oh, yeah, I know there's people that deal with that, but I had it. And so I was confused and hurt and confused. And because John froze instead of talking to me, I was left wondering, what was it I did? Because I've done a lot of things in the last 10 minutes, but the freezing feels like it just happened. And um, I so much wanted to talk about it. So I just uh, and and I think. Maybe for a lot of people, you know, initially for years, I just figured it's all, it's my fault. It's all my fault. And I did a lot of that this last year, that this is all my fault. Mm-hmm. Must be the worst parent that's ever walked the face of the earth. Those kind of necessary journeys that are really hard, but get at, I didn't even know this was way down deep inside me, but it, but it was, and it is. And it took a long time to be able to say, I know there are a lot of things that are my fault, but everything can't be on me. And um, no, and just for you to know, Rico just wrote in and said, Nancy was right as usual. <laughs> Rico, and Rico's I've a lawyer, so he knows. A convivial lawyer. <laughs> yeah. oh, um, but that's part of the journey, not just of marriage, but of relationships and, and community and figuring out how do we have open, honest, sometimes very difficult conversations about um what we've done that's hurt each other. And we may not always be right about that. Hmm. That other person may have another point of view. And so it it's never cleared up in one conversation. Yeah. It's a lifetime of them. And um, I think that's what Jesus invi- invites us to, to make community the vision that he always had it to be. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Rick Blackman, Dr. Rick just wrote in and said, marriage always moves towards health when we focus on our part. Ugh. Well, that's tattoo worthy. Uh, and um, yeah, uh, that's why people pay him all that money to go talk to him. Uh, but that idea that yeah. it's not my job to try to clean up your house. My job is to clean up my house. But it's so much more fun it to do it that way. <laughs> so much yeah. more fun. And, and often so much more visible. Totally. Now, one of the uh, learnings for me, uh, even in this last week, um, and this idea about focusing on our part isn't just about marriage at all. It's about friendships. Mm-hmm. It's about church. It's about small groups. It's about families. It's about work. It's about the kind of relationships that we all really long for. Yeah. 
Yeah. But we're afraid to do what it takes to get there. Yeah. I am. And the I and am. the journey towards God. And yeah. it's just so striking that Jesus would say, if you think you're loving God and serving God, but you're in relational chaos with another person, you're wrong. And actually what God loves the most yeah. is for you to love that person enough to want to try to fix it. And um, I've been reading this book, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman. And I was telling Nancy about this this last week. Um, he talks about how... Uh, we're constantly scanning the environment to find out, am mm. I safe? Mm. That little kill room backdrop just reminds us of that. He says, uh, this is just bred into us. Evolution has left us this way. We're just constantly wondering, is it okay? Can I survive? Am I safe? And he says, when we're uh, anxious, when we're stressed, when we're in a time of emotional upheaval, we tend to put people into one of two categories, friend or foe. And we actually look at faces and he says that there's two factors. Do they look like a strong person? Square mm -hmm. jaw is the main thing mm -hmm. there. Uh, and then do they look like they are friendly towards us? Mm -hmm. Are they smiling or frowning? And if it looks like a strong person and they look like they are not friendly towards us, we will put them in the faux category. And, and what I realized when I read that was a lot this last year, mm -hmm. when there's mm -hmm. deep emotion, it's like the only two categories I have is foe or friend. Which and is just fun. saying this is a really good person and we're in a sensitive situation yeah. to they're bad. They're all bad. All I want to see about them is what I don't like about them. One of the things that one of my bosses taught me years ago when I would come into his office and there would be somebody on staff that I was frustrated with. He would say, before you leave my office, I'd like you to say two or three things about this person you really admire. And I didn't want to. I just wanted to paint them all one shade and be mad. And it was such a helpful thing to see the whole person. And I hope people would do that for me when I frustrate or harm them. So just a few other names that have joined us. Um, Rico's brother, Israel. Is oh, Israel, mm -hmm. we have prayed for you. Yep. Yep. Over these last months so often. Yep. Just so glad and grateful that um, you are joining us. And, uh, gosh, Mark Garner, Mark was my boss for a while at our old church as yeah. one of the elders. Yeah. And then we worked together on staff and, um, just An extraordinary uh, painter on top of everything else. Renaissance guy is nothing he can't do and, mm -hmm. um, has been on his own journey in this yeah. last year. Um, just dealing with health issues and where's God in the midst of that and breathes life into so many other people. Part of what, I'm experiencing reading all these names mm -hmm. is I want to be like you guys. I mm. want to want to be part of a community and then show up for other people in their community when things are hard and when things are great. Um, I just can hardly stand reading all these names. I know. I know. And then the um, the picture that John painted about the fellowship of the withered hand and Shauna, when you sent in the picture of your hand, um, my mom has just horrible arthritis in her hands and she's got big knots and her fingers aren't straight. And um, my hands are, are starting. And, uh, I have this visual of my hands are already starting to wither, but they will be even more withered. And what does that mean? And that picture of I'm going to be, I want to be in a community where we're all showing each other our hands mm -hmm. um, and not ashamed of them, but me too, me too, me too. Yep. Yep. And to celebrate personal inadequacy together. And uh, Mike, I think of just a hundred different expressions from you, but one of my favorites is the worse your story, the warmer, the welcome. Yeah. And uh, this is a place where the worse your story, the warmer the welcome. And um, and part of that journey right now, going from 
ashes to beauty in our lives and our life with God and in our community and our relationship with each other. And whatever the strange thing it is that God is doing in the middle of all this is uh, to receive from God the power to take a look at how do you want to change me? How do you want me to be different? so that I can become a different person with somebody that I love. And so that we can help each other do that in our lives. So anything else you want to say? No, but I can't wait to read through all these names. This is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys. I said, you will never know what a gift it is to us. Thank and you. From the very beginning, from that first weekend when everything started to fall apart, we were trying to keep everything as private as we could. And Chuck was supposed to come out. And I said, no, you can't come out. I can't tell you why, but you can't. Chuck said, oh yeah, I'll just come out and sit at your front step. And That's Chuck. Rick every day. And Sam saying, you can reinvent yourself. And Rojo saying, you need to find something each day that you have to look forward to. And just one of you after another, after another, after another uh, are such gifts. So thank you. And we love you so much. God bless you. Thank you. Yeah.